We just recently commemorated the 20th anniversary of September 11th, or 9-11. You know, most of us who were alive during that time, you know, we can recall where we were at at that moment. You know, there are some iconic images associated with that day. Of course, the Twin Towers and the smoke and the fire and the collapsing of the building. The pictures of the Pentagon or even Flight 93 in Somerset County, Pennsylvania and the just the, the big airplane crash that happened in the field. But to me, the iconic image that I get when I think of 9-11 is that picture of President George Bush being told by one of his uh, White House chief of staff that a second plane hit the second tower in America is under attack. You know, from that incident came what we refer to as the war on terror. You know, this was President Bush in a lot of different speeches asking nations to supply troops and intel, and he basically had the same message over and over in in those press conferences where he would say, you're either with us or you're against us. Well, we've been studying the book of Joshua over the past few months, and we're in Joshua chapter 5 this afternoon. If you recall in Joshua chapter 1, Moses had just died, and God now charges Joshua, and he assumes command. Remember, he says, Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. And four times in chapter 1 alone, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now in chapter 2, Joshua sends two spies into Jericho. And of course, that's where they meet Rahab the harlot, who hides them on her roof and keeps them safe from the the kings, the government of the land, uh, when they had heard that there were spies in the land. And because of her great faith in the God of the Israelites, and believing that he is who uh, they said he was, she and her family, if they would place that red cord, that scarlet cord outside of her home, that they would be safe, whoever was in that household, when the Israelites came to take over the city of Jericho, which will happen in chapter 6. Well, in chapters 3 and 4, we read about how Israel crosses the Jordan River on Greg dry ground. That Joshua and the Ark of the Covenant and the priests, as they move through the water, the water miraculously stops and the people are able to cross the Jordan River. And remember, they they took up these 12 stones from the middle of the river and, and they built this monument in Gilgal of these memorial stones reminding the people of what God had done for them. Well, now we're in Joshua chapter 5. In verses 1 through 9, God instructs Joshua to reinstitute circumcision. You know, back in Genesis chapter 17, Abraham was originally given this covenant between his descendants and God. This was to be done on the eighth day after birth that a, a male Israelite was to be circumcised. It would be a sign of the covenant. But apparently, they had not been practicing this since they left Egypt. Now, of course, we don't read that God ever condemns them for this. And it's possibly because over the next 40 years, as they're wandering in the wilderness, you know, they're always on the move. 
the, the men and the children will never have time to uh, recover from this. And so during these 40 years in the wilderness, wandering, the Israelites are no longer practicing circumcision. But at this point, Joshua commands them to begin this once again, again, this sign of the covenant between God and the children of Israel. In verses 10 and 12 of Joshua chapter 5, the Israelites partake of the Passover and the manna ceases. You know, it's interesting that they partake of the Passover the day they left Egypt and now the day they entered Canaan. And the manna that they enjoyed for the past 40 years that was there every day besides the Sabbath, which the day prior they were able to grab two days worth of the manna to withhold them. But the manna now ceases because they're now in the promised land. Now they have access to all of the great produce of the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and so the manna ceases. But what we want to notice for our lesson this afternoon is what Joshua says here in verses 13 through 15. Notice the Bible says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Just before Joshua and the Israelite army goes to conquer Jericho, Joshua is apparently planning the Jericho attack. But here he is visited by what we believe is to be deity. You know, some say that this was an angel, maybe an angel of the Lord. But notice, this man does not reject the worship Joshua offered. Angels rejected worship. Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. Colossians 2.18, Paul lets them know that they were not to worship angels. You know, and it isn't unusual for God or the pre-incarnate Christ to do this. You know, God revealed himself in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. See more of that connection between Moses and Joshua. And even in the book of Job, in Job 38 verse 1, he reveals himself in a whirlwind. So it's not unusual for God to manifest himself in a, this figure of a man, this soldier with his sword drawn. But Joshua, what's so interesting about this verse is he wants to know, whose side are you on? And the angel or this man's response is no. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. He says, I'm not on a side. I am the side. And just like Moses, Joshua was told to remove your sandals. See, Jericho was a great city, a military fortification, large walls, 
and appears that Joshua went out to survey it. And as he was thinking about it, as he was planning his strategy, he suddenly became conscious that someone was with him. Joshua's comment is a lot like how we live today. You know, we say, are you on my side or are you on my enemy's side? Are you for me or are you for the inhabitants of the land? And friends, we need, we need to stop trying to get God on our side, but to make sure that we are on God's side. You know, this is the only way that we are going to have victory in this life. And like Joshua, sometimes we only see the problems and never the power of God. You know, we've got those walls on our mind. What am I going to do about these great walls of Jericho? How are we going to get past them? And we tend to forget that God has a plan for us. You know, there's a story of a man who, you know, he just never had seen a train before. This was in the day that trains were somewhat new in this nation. And one day he saw this great locomotive, had six cars behind it. He looked at all the steel and metal, and he just thought to himself, they'll never get that thing to move. But the engineer, he got on board. He started it up. The steam started to discharge. The wheels began to move. It gathered momentum faster and faster. It was so impressive. But you know what this man's reaction was? They'll never get it to stop. You know, there are some people like that. They always see the problem and never see God's power. They never see God's solution to the problem. See, the captain of the Lord of hosts told Joshua, I'm not on your side or your enemy's side. I'm on God's side, and you better be on God's side as well. His sword was drawn, and he says, Joshua, let me take over. Have you already forgot I said to you in chapter 1 verse 9 that I'd be with you wherever you go? Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not tremble or be dismayed. I'm reminded of what the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't let us be mistaken. This was not Joshua's war, but God's war. When Israel relied on itself, it failed time and time again. When Israel relied on God, it succeeded. See, and when we rely on self alone, we fail. We stumble, we make mistakes, and we fall. We are always our worst ally. But God, He will be there to help us, to guide us, to correct us, to discipline us, if needed, and ultimately to reward us if we stay faithful. The Israelites had to renew their covenant relationship with God through the practice of circumcision. It had to make them complete that we read here in Joshua chapter 5. Well, notice what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. No longer are, is there a covenant between God and his children in a fleshly sense of circumcision, but it is a spiritual circumcision. Paul writes, And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. 
And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Paul says we are now complete in Christ through a spiritual circumcision, which comes by being baptized into Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, we wash away our sins. That sin is cut off of our lives, and we are now made alive together with him, having forgiven, being forgiven of all our transgressions. God asks, whose side are you on? Man says, are you on my side or my enemy's side? God says, no, rather, I'm on my side, and we must be on God's side as well.